What's up, rap stars? It's your host, Romeo Santos, along with co-host Kenny Fulton. This is The Rap Show, where we're going to be talking everything real estate. Kenny, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. How are you, Romeo? Doing awesome. It is 2021. It is the end of March. We're in a brutally crazy real estate market right now with people going nuts over houses, inventory at an all-time low, interest rates slightly creeping up just a little bit. And when we left off last week, we were talking about the different types of financing and how that may impact people as they're going out and making purchases. So why don't we pick up there and tell me, in your opinion, as you've been going through this market, what have been some of the the, the challenges that you've seen with financing and, and your buyers? Well, that's a really great question and very pertinent right now. Um, one of the most important factors that I think as, as professionals we have to consider and as, uh, as consumers is unless you're buying a house cash, you know, a lender is involved and really they're at the center of the transaction. We get to do the fun part, which is looking for the house. Uh, but at the end of the day, the lender um, are, are the ones who are really going to make things happen and, and do a lot of the coordination. So I think the most important thing is, is, is uh, uh, making sure that your agent has partnered with the lender, somebody that they do enough transactions through the year that they can vouch that they'll get the job done. And that's really what sellers are looking for. It's not just about what the highest offer is, but it's also about the type of financing, um, the eligibility of the buyer, like the most likelihood that they'll get approved for the loan they're applying for, and uh, the reputation of the lender. And one of the things that uh, we've been looking for our lenders to do right now is to be proactive in this approach. So when we're writing offers, we're expecting our lender partner to be out there, contact the seller's agent as well, and then give them all the assurances that we're representing a qualified buyer. Yeah, absolutely. I think some really good pieces there that we should unpack a little bit. So there, there we touched on last week about people bidding over and above the asking price. And then we started to get then down that that rabbit hole of the whole financing appraisal concern. And so what I'd love for us to do is, is, is pile on top of what you just talked about, but then also help people to understand that the pre-approval, the offer price, what the seller might actually net and how all those things come together, right? So, so at, we just touched on the fact that, you know, a trusted lending partner, right? Like, here at Red Anchor Properties, we have a couple of lending partners that we've worked with that are super professional, that are local, that are direct lenders, meaning that they lend their own money and they have a, they have their own in-house underwriting. And what that means is that as the loan is being processed, the lender, if there's a hiccup, can literally walk down the hall or pick up the phone and call the underwriter and say, where are we, right? So that control piece is really key. But also a local lender that's a direct lender sometimes can be a bit more nimble than when people come to us and they go, well, I've got a credit union or I have my bank that I want to do. And I think we all know that the larger an organization gets, the more clunky it gets. And so right now in this market, we need to be, we need to be able to, you know, uh, bob and weave and be very nimble and get in and get out. And, and a lot of these larger banks don't give us the opportunity. So why don't we start by... Um, talking a little bit about the difference between what you may offer and what that actually means to a seller in the event that there's an appraisal shortfall. All right. Well, that's a really great segue. So uh, the, the main things um, when you look at uh, each contract has contingencies and contingencies are 
basically your exit clause, meaning I'm willing to offer you this amount of money for the home, but it's contingent upon these other events happening. The first contingency most, most, uh, most likely will be your um, inspection contingency. So we can get into that on another topic uh, to get to the point of the appraisal contingency. And so uh, if the deal still makes it through the inspection part of the process, now the appraisal has to be done. And what's happening right now that's a little bit unique for this market is that we're seeing offers from five to 10% over asking price. So let's just say, for example, there's a house for $100,000, just for an example. Um, and then let's say that you see the house, you like it, and then you know it's gonna be very competitive and you wanna beat out the other offers and you offer 110,000. Now, being that this market right now is growing and values are rising, um, but let's say that no home is ever sold in that neighborhood for 110000 There's a possibility that when the appraiser goes out there, they're going to look at the comps, they're going to see the other recent sales, and they say, wow, houses usually sell for 95 here. You've offered 110 In my opinion, which an appraisal is an opinion, so we don't know what it's going to come back at. Now, you might be two weeks into your contract waiting for this appraisal to come back. And it could come in lower than what you offered. So in that event, the seller would net less than what you offered. The bank isn't going to give you more than what the appraiser says the, uh, the value, the market value of the property is worth. So if the appraiser comes back and says, I think this house is worth 105 and you've offered 110, then your contingency will most likely, if you built it in this way, allow you to renegotiate so the seller can opt to sell it to you for 105. Um, you also have the option of paying the difference in cash, which is something that you can do up front. You can offer that to strengthen your offer. Um, and then you can also cancel the contract, right, which nobody wants. At this point, we all want to move forward. But now the net to the seller has changed. And so your offer has essentially changed at that point if the home doesn't appraise. And one of the things that when we're talking about from a lender's perspective, we want to make sure that this lender is also very proactive with ordering the appraisal. Um, our team, we have some uh, um, 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 uh, milestones in place to make sure that as soon as we made it past the inspection contingency that very next that day, you know, we're reaching out to the lender and saying, have you ordered the appraisal? When is it scheduled? When is it going to be done? Uh, because you want to get that answer as quick as possible to figure out, you know, what's going on from there. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Great, great way to um, describe that. And so <clears throat> let's talk a, a little bit about strategy, right? Because I think we've got agents that are going to be listening to this as well as consumers. And there are a lot of agents that this might be the first time they've been in a market like this. You know, I, I, I was originally licensed in 2001. And so I saw this happening in 2005, six and seven. And I, and I, and I feel a little bit lucky that I went through that, even though it was a terrible time in the real estate market, but it, it somewhat prepared me. And like, we've been having conversations as a team that these are the times that as a real estate professional, that you're going to really, really learn a lot and you're going to grow and you're going to become even better for it on the other side for your clients as you're going through with the right team of people around you that have knowledge, right? So if you're a lender, uh, sorry, if you are an agent or if you're a consumer out there, there's a couple things that you need to be aware of, Okay. You can write an offer and let's say that you tell your agent, I want to offer, I'm going to use some bigger numbers because the market we're in is a little bit larger than that. And also I want people to really feel what 10% looks like because the example you gave is a 10% increase over the list price. But at $100,000, people are like, whatever, 100, 110, not a big deal. Let's talk about what we're seeing, right? Let's talk about one of the recent listings that we just put under contract. So it was listed for $499,000, Okay. 
And we got an offer that was the first offer we got. It was $548,000. So almost 10% over the asking price. Now, everybody out there is probably like, that's amazing. That's great. That sounds like a really strong offer. Well, not necessarily because it's my job as the listing agent or somebody else, if you're a buyer and you're working with an agent that's helping you to buy a home, it's their responsibility to look at the, the recent comparable sales or comps as Kenny referred to them earlier and tell you, well, Mr. Seller, nothing is in, in your community is sold for that much. However, the fact that the market is so crazy, we could probably expect that an appraiser could realistically appraise your home for 510, 515, just given what's happening in the market, but then that leaves a, 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 a big gap, right? So let's say it's at 515 and we're at 550, just to keep the numbers easy. Now we're at a $35,000 Delta, okay? The only way that you as a buyer are gonna successfully win with that offer is if you have the ability, the means and the desire to pay over and above the appraised value shortfall of $35,000 in cash. It's the only way that that's gonna happen so agents, if you have clients that are saying, I want to offer this much, you have to help them to understand and buyers that are out there, consumers, make sure that you understand that there is a strategy to it. And there's a lot of nuanced pieces and just writing the highest offer could actually sometimes backfire because you're not giving any safeguards for the seller that they're going to get what you're offering. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, at this point, some uh, people, their strategy is just to blow out all the other offers by throwing out a number so high that they're like, you know what? Well, you know, even though the market value here might likely, this home might likely appraise for 515, if I offer 550, now I've outbid everybody else. We get through the appraisal, it'll appraise for less, but at least at that point, I've knocked everybody else out, right? So some people will use it as a strategy is, is not the, the, the best way, you know, to, to go about it. And we are actually finding that homes are appraising, but who knows how long that'll last. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things that you can do is this is a highest and best market. You know, don't count on being counter offered. So when you're going to make an offer like that, like Romeo was saying, um, um, you, you want to give them some assurances that you can pay the difference in cash. One thing I would recommend is to also include um, um, evidence that you have the funds. So Instead of normally we would come back to a potential buyer and say, well, show us evidence that you have the ability to cover the difference in cash. Giving this upfront will make it easier for the seller. Now they don't have to ask a question. Not only is this person willing to pay the difference in cash, but they've actually shown me a bank statement showing that they have that amount plus whatever they're going to need for closing. So that's going to give them a lot more confidence that you can actually cover that difference without them having to ask you for the evidence. Yeah, big deal, big deal for sure. Awesome point. Um, also, all right, so let's talk a little bit about appraisal a little bit more. So there, there are typically three types of loans that people are going to be getting today, right? A conventional loan, which most people out there are probably saying, yeah, but I don't have 20% down. Well, good thing for you, as long as you have a certain credit score, you can get a conventional loan as low as 3% down. There's FHA. FHA is typically a first-time home buyer, but really it's not just first-time home buyer because it's three and a half percent down. But you have to remember that you'll always have mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is quite expensive and mortgage insurance will last the life of the loan period. So if you got a great, awesome rate at 3% and then rates go to four and you want to refinance to get rid of the mortgage insurance, well, you might be paying that same amount anyways because you just refinanced at a higher rate. So keep that in mind. 
totally different subject. We can go down that path one day. And then there's VA financing. Now, VA is the Veterans Affairs. I love the program. Let's take care of our people that take care of our nation. Yet, if we were to scale these or grade these rather as a from most desirable from a seller perspective to least desirable, unfortunately, it would go conventional, FHA, and then VA. And the reason being is that an FHA loan has very strict guidelines because, of course, the government is trying to protect consumers, which is a good thing but it makes it tougher to number one, get an appraisal that's higher than maybe you might get on a conventional loan. And also there are certain things that the lender requires that the seller take care of in the event of, you know, lender required repairs, a missing handrail, so on and so forth. Then you have VA, which unfortunately, again, well, fortunately and unfortunately, they are looking to really take care of our veterans. So there's even more stringent guidelines. Again, you may have issues it's a great program because you can finance 100% of your loan, so you don't have to have any money down. So maybe if you have cash and you're a veteran, you can use that and agree to pay above the appraised value. So that could work out for you. Um, the, the seller has other things that they have to pay for out of pocket. For instance, a termite inspection has to be conducted and has to be paid for by the seller. And then also typically they take much longer to close. So those are some of the downfalls with those loans. That is not us saying that we don't look at anything but conventional. It's just helping you to understand as an agent and or as a consumer that those are the things that if you're dealing with them, if that's what you're playing the game with, you may have an automatic downside just based on you versus a conventional loan. Okay. So if you do have one of those other type of loans, you better make sure that you as an agent or your agent working for you as a consumer knows what the heck they're doing and that they write a super strong offer, right? So great example is we just took one, another one, listed a house for $370,000, tons of interest. We had nine offers on it. And from the beginning, our very best offer was actually a VA loan, right? Now they showed exactly like Kenny said, that they had the financial wherewithal and means to be able to pay above the appraised value. And then they did something that I like to do, which they were able to circumvent the built-in appraisal contingency by writing an escalation clause and in the escalation clause stating that they would pay the difference of any appraisal shortfall in cash. So they were willing to pay $30,000 out of pocket. This house listed at $370,000 and we're now under contract because of their escalation clause at $396,000, right? But because the agent was professional, called me, communicated with me. They wrote a strong offer. It was a clean offer. Oh, their lender called me also, the only lender that called me to make me feel warm and fuzzy so I could share that with my client. They did write a letter that didn't do anything for me, but of course, for my client, it did, right? And so these are all little tactics that you can do that people may tell you, ah, letter doesn't work or, oh, this doesn't work. No, these all, it, it's all together. It's the sum of its parts. So I'm not telling you that a VA loan is bad or an FHA loan is bad. I'm just telling you that if it, if that's what you're working with, great. Just be sure that you have other things that you can do to make yourself competitive, right? Romeo, what are your thoughts about the FHA uh, financing addendum and the um, um, conventional financing addendum, but the section where you write in the lender required repairs, mm -hmm. is that something that you use as a strategy? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Right now in the market, what we've been writing is that zero lender required, required, required repairs. I'll try to get that up. 
Um, and so basically what that means is that there is a section in those clauses for you as a consumer agents, I'm sure that you know this. And if you don't go back and read all three of those addendums very, very well, make sure you understand them clearly. There's a section that states that the seller agrees to pay X dollars of lender required repairs, not to exceed blank. And so typically that would norm in a normal market be anywhere from a thousand to $2,500, depending on what you felt the condition of the house was right now, what you're putting oftentimes is zero. Now, what you need to be aware of agents and consumers is that if your agent puts in zero and doesn't tell you or agent, if you put in zero and you don't tell your client and then the lender requires repairs, the seller doesn't have to make those repairs. Your client is going to have to make those repairs or at least pony up the money. So be sure that you're representing your client in the best way. Don't get creative without sharing that creative method and plan with your client up front. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely something that you have to highlight. I don't think it's a, a very widely known strategy. And when you are using it um, in the event that it needs to be enforced, like I think something that pops up all the time are like handrails. Like that just seems to be something that, you know, a lot of house, you know, you'll, you'll walk through a house, you may not even be conscious of it, but if there's like a, 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 um, a walkout basement and there's a handrail missing there, or even a guardrail, something like that, it has to be installed. It, it's something that from the seller's end, um, you know, they've lived with it, didn't really bother them at all, but then the appraiser points it out and it could be a requirement in order for them to purchase this house. So there's some things that even if the house looks perfectly fine, like, you know what, we can do this. You know, I don't really see anything. There might be some safety items that you just may not be conscious of if you haven't been through the process enough that that could easily pop up and, and, um, and then it will need to be enforced. Yeah, 100%, 100% great point. Um, and, and, and that happens all the time. There's always missing handrails and they always get dinged for it. Also, even a handrail that's not continuous. Mm -hmm. if there's yep. a gap, right? Even if you've got a deck and you're walking up the stairs into the front of the house and it has a nice big board that you can grab on, but if it doesn't have something that they consider claspable, mm -hmm. they'll make you install those. So all those things. So agents know that and clients as you're out there looking around, make sure that you're paying attention to that. All mm -hmm. right. So let, let's talk that you, you made me think of something else that I think is really, um, really important for us to, to touch on. So when, um, when writing these offers agents for your clients, Okay. And, and clients and consumers ask your agents to do this. If you're writing an offer that's above asking price, even if you're willing to pay the entire amount above the list price in cash, you shouldn't do it. We don't want you to do it. You might have to do it, but, but we want to do everything we can to make sure that, that you don't. So what you should do is you should make sure that your agent, because your agent is on your side, is pulling comps comparables, again, that word comps, comparable sales, recent sales in the last 180 days at most, if possible, but you can go up to 360 days that are similar footprint, size house, similar um, uh, bedrooms and bathrooms, uh, similar quality of, of finishes, so on and so forth, that maybe have sold higher, right? You can go outside of a particular subdivision if you need to. The appraiser will always try to find comps inside of the subdivision. But if you find something that's exactly like it, that is just outside within a mile, ideally, you can present those to the appraiser and say, hey, these are what we're basing our offer on and we, where, where we see the value is here. That, in addition to the fact that there's these other homes that are, that are under contract that you know, are listed higher and just the general market. If you can show the appraiser up front that you might have information that they need 
it helps them to make the decision on a higher value much easier. You may not get $50,000 over the last sale, but you might get 15 or even 20. And that's a big difference having to pay only 30 out of pocket versus 50 out of pocket. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, one thing that I like to do is, is have those ready to go because you never know when you're going to get that call. If you get a call from an appraiser saying, hey, you know, I see that you made this offer here. That means that they're giving you a wink like I don't see it. You know, so you want to have that ready to go. Number one, because you should have done that prior to even writing up the offer just to make sure okay. that this is a, a, a reasonable offer, something that can be taken uh, seriously. Uh, recently, um, it, it might be surprising, but uh, about a week and a half ago, we got a house under contract for 15000 below asking. And it was because I, I felt that uh, even though my, my buyers were really excited about this property, I didn't really see the value there. And I felt like in the long run, um, you know, they, uh, there, there wasn't enough room to improve the property at all. And so the way that we got the house under contract was I pulled the comps and then had a conversation with the listing agent, like, look, you know, I know that you're testing the market, you know, with this price here, but it's, there's no way it's going to appraise for that. You know, um, this offer is reasonable and based upon the condition of the property, like Romeo said, um, you know, the, the, the value just isn't there. And what you're really trying to do is give the other side a tool so that way they can evaluate this deal the same way that you're looking at it. So that way you're, you're telling them, hey, look, my, my offer is respectful, you know, um, and here's what we're basing it upon. You're doing the same thing with the appraiser is saying, hey, look, based upon my research, this is what I'm seeing here. Now, the appraiser, uh, they still have the final say. So you can share whatever you want. You know, it's still going to be based upon their opinion. Um, but, but one one thing I, I want to make sure that we kind of touch back on, I don't think we touched, was one of the risks for FHA um, um, is that on the seller's end, if they accept an FHA buyer and that mm -hmm. appraisal comes in light, that appraisal is logged. And then if, if they decide to not sell the home to you because this appraisal came in light, um, that next appraiser uh, for the next buyer who comes up, um, they can't assign a value higher than what the previous appraiser did for a period of, um, is, it, is it 90 days? Six months. Six months. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so when you're on the seller's end, that's one of the risks is that, you know, okay, well, this once this value is set, it's kind of set in stone, you know, unless they're going to wait six months to put it back on the market, like that's it. And so, um, you know, you want to keep that in mind as well is that it's, 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 it's something that if you can give them the assurance that you're going to be able to cover the difference, that'll take that fear away. Uh, well, if this FHA appraisal comes in like I'm stuck with that value is you're going to tell them, you know what, you're not stuck. I'm willing to cover uh, the, the difference up into a certain amount. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and so, you know, leads me to a couple other things. That's an awesome point. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm sorry that I missed that. So when, when you are writing an offer agents for your clients and, 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 and consumers, make sure that you're asking these questions. The point of this podcast is to help educate everybody and to take our real life everyday battles and bring the knowledge as much as we can and to be a resource for everybody that's listening. So agents, take a look, know your community, okay? What typically is the financing in the community, okay? You can look at all the recent sales and see in the MLS listing, what type of financing was logged? Are they all conventional or are they all FHA? If they're all FHA, well, you can kind of go into it saying, hey, hey client, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer, everybody in this community for the most part uses FHA financing. So we've got a bit of a leg up because if an appraisal comes in short, 
they can't get rid of that and they're unlikely to get a conventional buyer. Doesn't mean they won't, but it's probably more likely than not that the next buyer will be FHA. So make sure that you guys are logging these things in your mind and that you're paying attention so that you can represent your clients and consumers be educated on these things. Ask these questions. When you're interviewing with an agent that's gonna represent you to buy or sell a piece of property, make sure that they know these things. It's really, really important. And if they don't know it, that's okay. Everybody is new at some point. It's no problem. But make sure they have a team around them that has that knowledge that can answer those questions that will teach them these things. Because if they're on their own and they don't know this, you're going to be going along on that journey with them. And agents out there, if you're new and you made a decision to go with a brokerage and be out on an island on your own, Make sure that you understand that that has real life repercussions for your clients. And our fiduciary responsibilities are to our clients. In case you forgot that from real estate school, that means that our legal obligation is to serve our clients in the very best way possible and to put their needs above ours. Okay. Yeah, excellent point. I think it's more important now than ever that agents are having conversations, especially if, if you haven't been on the listing side much, uh, you really wanna uh, consult with somebody who is so they could tell you about the type of offers that are coming in. So when we're listing a property and we're getting you know, 15, 20 offers, um, it's, it's like a crash course into like, okay, you know, now we have to evaluate these offers on more than just the highest price. And the offers have to get more complex in order to win in this environment. Um, uh, so not only is it important for you to know it, but it's also important for you to know if the agent that you're dealing with has that knowledge as well. So submitting an offer, being proactive, calling the agent, making sure that they understand, you know, the features of your offer, making sure that you're highlighting those, you know, through the email or through, I, I do it through email, text, and through a phone call. I try to make sure, especially if we're doing something uh, like an escalation clause, making sure that they're on the same page as, as to what this offer really looks like. Um, because, you know, if you're if you're doing your first listing ever, and then you get 15 offers, it can be very complicated to try to sort out all these layers here, and then to communicate that to the seller who ultimately is making the decision, and then making sure that, you know, you gave them the best guidance, and that this buyer is going to perform. Because the worst feeling is making a recommendation and then that buyer backing out and then like, oh man, like how could I have avoided this or how could we have a, a better predicted, you know, the likelihood of this, this buyer closing. So uh, it's definitely a more complex environment, but I think coming out the end of it, uh, those of us who have, have made it through 2020, 2021, you know, we're going to have like our, our, our PhD, you know, at this point with just the amount of volume and, um, um, and just the complexity of the deals that we've had to deal with. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and you know that that's also so. Let, there's a couple more things you you made me think about a few more things. This is awesome. All right, so buyers afraid to go in without an inspection. Okay, we're not going to dive all the way into inspections. We're just going to talk about something. Okay, that agents should know, both listing, more importantly, listing and buyers agents. If you're buying a townhouse or a condominium, there is an ace in the hole that you shouldn't necessarily use, but you might need to in a super competitive market, okay? That ace in the hole is this. If the, if the seller does not provide for you 
condominium documents or HOA documents prior to going into contract, the document inside of the contract that protects you as a consumer states that you have five days from the date of receipt of those condominium documents to withdraw from the contract. No penalty. Okay. So what does that mean? Right. How have I gotten some clients to feel a bit more comfortable saying, you know, we're not going to go with an inspection contingency. Well, quite simply, I said, listen, I would hate to do this. I think it's the wrong thing. It's hard enough to get under contract. I think that you're probably okay, right? We're going we're gonna to go in with no inspection contingency. However, we're definitely going to ask for an inspection for informational purposes only. And God forbid you found out the house is actually going to fall down. It had to be something major. You do still have one way to get out of the contract, right? We don't want to use that just for the heck of it. Yet, if you needed to, it's there. And I think a lot of agents don't know that. And so something we're doing for our sellers is letting them know, listen, we need the condo docs up front so that we can give them to them so that we remove that as an option for them. Because if they're waiving the inspection, we don't want to give them another out, right? And because it's their choice to waive the inspection. So there are a lot of nuances, right? And then a, a lot of them teeter on like, ah, I don't really like to do that. I don't want to do that. And I agree. First off, you get yourself under contract, stay under contract, right? figure something out, even if, even if it's an issue, buyers and buyer's agents, even if the seller said, I'm not fixing anything, you could always say, hey, Kenny, listen, they figured this out during the home inspection, which of course is informational purposes only. They're not going to back out of the contract because of the inspection, of course, but we would really appreciate it if your seller would address this. If they're like, no way, not happening, and they get really belligerent with you, at that point, you may want to pull that ace out of your back pocket and say, listen, I don't want to do this. But you know, once you guys deliver the HOA docs, they can just vacate at that point. We yeah. want to stay in the contract. We paid $40,000 over the list price. Can you at least ask them if they would take care of this $3,000 repair? Right. Yeah. It's not unreasonable. Don't be afraid to ask agents and consumers. Be sure that you're working with somebody that's not going to be afraid to go to battle on your behalf. Like we talked about last time, you're going into battle in this real estate market right now. And you need a proactive agent and agents, you need to be proactive. Don't be afraid, right? Don't make your mistakes and practice on your clients. Be proactive, ask for help. If you don't know, consumers, be educated, ask these questions. You might get an agent that's really good at talking. Don't let them lead you astray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good point. And I think anybody who goes into, especially on the buyer side, when you're going into it with the seller in mind and putting yourself in their shoes, It'll make for a better transaction and hopefully the seller does as well. But like with the scenario that you mentioned, um, buying, making an offer, you can make an offer as is and you can do as is with inspection, as is without inspection. The safety of with inspection means that you can exit underneath that inspection contingency within the amount of days that you allotted. As is without inspection, you can still do an inspection, but you can't use the inspection as means of backing out the contract and so there could be something like uh, like your HOA docs, condo docs that can can still give you an out. Uh, but but ultimately, um, when you're uh, anything that pops up during the inspection, you really want to take that in consideration. If it's something that you, when you when you saw the house, when you did your showing, if you noticed that like the roof was old and beat up and you can visually see it, you know, this is a home that you can actually see the roof. I would just factor that in when you make your offer. Right. 
Um, but anything like, let's say something, let's say you did a sewage inspection, that's not something that you could tell, you know, when you just did a, a visual walking through the house and it was revealed through your inspection and it could be a significant cost. That is something that even if you did as is without inspection, and if it's a cost that you just can't incur as a, as a maybe even as a new homeowner, uh, you might be spending all your money just trying to buy the house and you don't have it. It's like, hey, look, I can't move forward. I feel like it's perfectly reasonable to go to the seller at that point and say, hey, look, you know, there was no way we could have known about this. You know what I mean? And this is a significant expense that we, we just can't incur. And, you know, we're, we're offering you well above, you know, market value right now. And especially if you're covering the difference in appraisal, I think it's still perfectly reasonable, even in the as is uh, without inspection contingency to still consider yourself in a negotiation phase because any other buyer who's going to come across is going to have that same reasonable expectation that they could buy a house without, you know, a major, you know, issue. Yeah. hundred percent. Great points. Um, all right. So listen, I, I think that we delivered a ton of information to everybody out there. We probably delivered too much information and people might have questions. Um, as you guys start to listen to these, if you have any questions, you can reach me, of course, um, at, uh, at Romeo at redanchorproperties.com. Just shoot me an email, any questions that you might have. Agents and clients, uh, totally up to you. Anything that you may have that you want to ask me or Kenny, Kenny at redanchorproperties.com. We're here. We love talking about real estate. We love helping people. And so that's our goal. Um, there's a lot more that we're going to continue to unpack over these shows as we go forward. We want to continue to bring value. I think the theme of this show is be informed, agent or consumer, be informed. That is the theme, I would say, and pay attention and be diligent and don't, don't, don't make silly choices for somebody else and don't allow people to make silly choices for you. The more you know, the better off you are. It's your responsibility, both as an agent as an, and as a consumer, to do your best to be informed and educated. And anybody that's listening to this podcast is taking steps to do just that and all the other podcasts out there that are valuable that I've listened to over the years. So I, I give kudos to everybody. Um, I can't wait for next week for us to bring you even more info. Uh, Kenny, where else again can they follow you on social media? Uh, Instagram is Realtor at Realtor Kenny Fulton, uh, Realtor Kenny Fulton Facebook. Uh, Kenny at RedAnchorProperties.com email, and you can always text me, call 443-763-0958. Awesome. Very good. And you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Realtor Romeo Santos and on Facebook. This is terrible. I have to look at it because I don't even know what the heck my name is on Facebook. Let me look it up really quickly on Facebook. I am, I think I'm just Romeo Santos. I am. I'm just Romeo Santos. But everybody, there is a really amazing, famous singer from the Dominican <laughs> Republic, whose name is Anthony Santos, and he mm. stole my name, and he's now Romeo Santos. So if you search Romeo Santos, you're probably not going to find me. So you might be able, better off finding me at uh, at Red Anchor Properties uh, at Red Anchor Properties on Facebook. Go to our page, and then from there, you'll definitely be able to find me. So everybody, I hope this was helpful and valuable. We look forward to seeing you. Please follow us if you like the show. Please click the subscribe button below, and we'll be back next week. Uh, Rap Nation, we're out of here. All right. All right.